views and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown... No, we're not. <laughs> I'm recording live uh, from Melbourne, Florida, and Shane is in his garage. Uh, I'm Trey Edmond, and I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. Wow, you put me on vacation, and I forget how to start the show. <laughs> Great job there, Trey. Great job. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's rare that I lose. Usually I'm the one sitting somewhere tropical or somewhere warm and nice, and you're the one in the Unabomber shed, but I'm I'm in the Unabomber shed today. You are. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, am, I have got a beautiful oceanfront view of the Atlantic right now. Got my cup of coffee. I've got a great cigar, courtesy of Tranquilo Cigars here local to Melbourne, Florida. And, man, I just couldn't be happier than to be recording from right here. So what are you smoking? I went and picked up a Dom Papine Black Label Cuban Classic. I, for some reason, it came across my news feed or came across Instagram or something the other day, and I was like, man, I haven't had one of those in a while. And I went to this place, Tranquilo Cigars, and yesterday, and I saw that they had it, and I was like, I don't know, maybe the universe is just telling me that this is the cigar for me. So that's what I'm that's what I'm going after. It's a It's a... In my opinion, I would call it a perfect medium. Would you agree with that? I don't think it's bad. I I like that cigar a lot. Um, I don't know that I would call it a medium. It's definitely closer to full than medium for me. Oh, okay. Uh, it's been a while since I've had one, so that's why I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, now the gold I would call, the Cuban Classic gold I would call a medium, but the black I'm probably going to definitely go, okay. go more toward a full. Okay. Well, cool. Well, I am looking forward to getting that one, uh, getting this sparked up. Okay, so have you? Is did he pronounce it tranquilo or did he pronounce it tranquilo? I have no idea. I didn't actually get into the the nomenclature of the guy's shop. Well, there's a wrestling move where they lay on the ropes and they re- refer to it as the tranquilo. And it's spelt Tranquilo, like I would say Tranquilo. So I was just curious if maybe this guy, if his shop is Tranquilo and you're saying Tranquilo. So I, I was just trying to figure that part out. I am sure that is correct. Uh, being a Spanish name, I'm sure it's not pronounced Tranquilo. I'm sure it is Tranquillo, but I'm American and I mispronounce things. How dare you? <laughs> No, I'm, th- that's definitely the plot, pot calling the keller, kettle black. For I can't sure. even make fun of you correctly. <laughs> All right, so Guardian of the Farm, Night Watch, Campion's what I'm smoking today. Excellent. I haven't, I haven't had a cigar yet today. I've been running and gunning and everything, and when we decided we'd record a little earlier, I said, well, I'll just make my first cigar the one on the podcast. Yep, that's me today, This too. is not usually... Well, this is not usually my first cigar of the day cigar. This is not usually a stick that I would have first thing in the day because it is the darker of the Aganorsa leaf products. Right. And all, but Nicaraguan, Jalapa Corojo Maduro wrapper, uh, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. You can get into all the regions, but it's a 6 by 52 and just an enjoyable cigar. So I'm really looking forward to kind of firing it up and getting started with it. And I'll, but I'll fire it up once I get you started here. So from Bloomberg, world's top cigar producer enjoys boom amid COVID lockdowns. 
I found this article. I thought it was interesting because this is kind of focusing more on the Dominican. And my question is, before COVID and before all the lockdowns, Dominican cigars were making a major move. They really were. So it says there's... Go ahead. Uh, they, they really were. They, You know, we have talked about Dominican cigars on this show for the last two years and have... It seems like every time we turn around, there's a new cigar that's either coming out or been announced or new collaboration out of the Dominican, you know... They weren't hit by the hurricanes earlier in the year that Nicaragua was. I don't know how much that plays into it. Probably not much at all. Um, but I do think it's because the Dominican tobacco really just has such a unique flavor that the the cigar smoker of today is kind of looking for that nuance that you just don't get out of a San Andreas or a, uh, or a Nicaraguan. Well, and that's the thing, you know, it's showing a 6% jump, but I don't think the 6% jump has as much to do with COVID or anything else as it just does that Nicaragua or Dominican Republic's getting their act together cigar-wise where Nicaragua's having civil wars, having hurricanes, having all these things occur that's taking them away from the cigar business. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. The, um, you know... I, I also think it's entirely possible that Bloomberg doesn't recognize how the timing of the cigar industry works. You know, something happening in the cigar industry three years ago is going to show up this year. You know, the, the trends don't happen. You know, we won't see the impact of coronavirus on the cigar industry really from a manufacturer standpoint for probably another year and a half, two years. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to see it that severely then, because anytime you've got that kind of timetable, you can make it up pretty quick and easy. Yeah, well, and I, and I, I think it's think, going up more than down. Well, and Bloomberg, that you know, this whole article I, I put in the notes, it's kind of passive-aggressive journalism. It's kind of like they're, they begrudge reporting that the Dominican Republic now has a fifth billion-dollar industry, which is cigars. Hey, right. if they got a – so they needed another industry. They have another industry. Why all the passive-aggressive, oh, addiction was up all across the board and all that? Why why go that way? Why can they not just report the facts and make it nice and nice and even? Yeah, I, I really don't think there's anything other than somebody's – you know, implicit bias at play in lumping in drug statistics with cigars. Having to relight. Well, so we've got a couple of uh, new cigars announced this week. I know you are really looking forward to this Aganorsa. It's a rare leaf reserve line and a new supreme leaf size i'm curious was this part of why you're why you're going night watch because you're just tempting your palate for what you can't have yet you know it's weird it's kind of happy accident more than anything because i was sitting i've been sitting here for the last couple of days thinking oh i need to smoke a night watch and then i would be off doing something and would just grab you know what i had in my my bag i'd be hunting and hadn't stuck one in my humidor or something like that 
So it's just kind of happy accident that I grabbed it, but it may have been a subliminable thing. It may have been in the back of my head, and I just seen that and went for it. Kind of like me with the Cuban Classic this week. Yeah, a lot of instinct. But So the, they're going to release a new line of cigars called Rare Leaf Reserve. And these are smokes rolled with rare tobaccos. Now, this is the thing I like about it. Um, Aganorsa Leaf, they're not saying, oh, there's only going to be 1,500 boxes of these made. There's only going to be five boxes of these made, and you must you know, bring your grandfather, grandmother's left toe to purchase one. They don't do any of that stuff. They just say, hey, we're going to open a new line. It's going to be rare leaves. The pricing is still outstanding on them. I mean, ten ninety nine to twelve ten. So the pricing is still good. I think I I don't know if I'm on board with with how special they're trying to make this sound versus what looks like a production cigar. Yeah, I get that. I mean, there's there's a lot of times when the story is bigger than the product. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily what this is, but um, I can definitely see why how it looks that way. Well, an Aganorsa leaf doesn't have to do that. Their product stands on its own. Oh, absolutely. You know, when your product is good, you really don't have to do so much marketing. You know, you see a lot of companies that have to do a lot of marketing just because they have an inferior product right. as part of that. But... So it's going to be a wrapper grown in Jalapa, a pair of Criollo 98 binders from two different farms in Esteli, and a Criollo 98 filler blend with a little Corojo 99. So sounds like a good cigar. I'm excited for it. And then the Supreme Leaf, they're going to add a 6x46 in the slim size. So are they getting in the Lancero business too? Is everybody going to get in the Lancero business this year? It's a little big. It's a little bigger than a Lancero, but not by much. A, a little bigger ring gauge and a little shorter. So it's uh, Lonsdale maybe. Is that what that's called? I, they don't have a, a name yeah. of it. But I, I, I think I'll, traditionally um, you would call that a Lonsdale. Well, and I'll say, you know, our experience with the Caldwell cigar and some of the other Lanceros I've smoked they always seem to be a little better than I think they're going to be. And I don't know why that is. I don't know what it is in my mind that I have against Lanceros. I guess it's just because I don't like to smoke two cigars back to back. Right. Well, and I think for me, it's, it's the fact that I, I have been burned by Lanceros, not literally, uh, so many times that uh, it, it's just, it makes me want He was tied up. It was in the basement. <laughs> Gimp was in the corner. <laughs> they burned him with Lanceros. Okay, I see how this works. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, the, the Lancero we smoked last week really, really did surprise me. Because, yeah, I, I do not expect much out of them at all. My hope for the day is that something happens and you're saying something really offensive and gross as your father-in-law walks out to see what you're doing <laughs> over there. <laughs> and I, I, I keep... So, for everybody out there, the way we do this, got to pull the show over and give a little how the sausage is made. <laughs> the way we do this involves a lot of technology in that I've got a Zoom here, and I'm recording my track. Trey has a Zoom there recording his track. And we're communicating on FaceTime via our cell phones, and then I have my iPad up with all of the articles posted on it. 
So I'm looking at Trey, and at some point when he says something bad about his father-in-law, I'm just going to say, you know he's standing behind you. Right. <laughs> that, why do you think I put my back right against the wall? And, and the window you see behind me is to the bathroom that I'm responsible for this weekend. So there's, I, I don't have to worry about that. But I, I am actually surprised that I haven't had any visitors up here yet. How many of you are down there on vacation? Is this a giant family thing or a small family thing? What's going on down there? So it's a small family thing. It is Noel, Emma, and I, and her parents, and one of her siblings, and his wife. So it's a it's a very small affair. Um, we all quarantined for you know couple of weeks ahead of coming down here so that we knew everybody had been being safe and all of that stuff and had clear clear health checks and all that so um but it's nice we've got the whole run of the place to ourselves i i cooked a, a lovely traditional florida uh dinner last night of chicken curry <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that ends in curry will ever cross my plate, but carry on. Really? That's surprising. I'm pulling I, the show over for that. It tastes like acid dipped in old sweat socks. Oh, I cannot no, stand the, the taste of best. curry. You've only had but bad curry then. There is only bad curry. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. I have never walked into an Indian restaurant that I did not have some sort of gag reflex happen just smelling it. I cannot stand This curry. from the guy who eats hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, I can eat hot dogs. I mean, all American. <laughs> Made right. And I'll just uh, cannot stand curry. But I'm, So um, is everything open down there? Is there a lot of stuff closed? What are you seeing going there's a, on? There's a handful of stuff closed. Uh you know, masks are required in most of the businesses, although the uh, it doesn't seem to be widely widely enforced. I mean, it's Florida; it's the Wild West down here. People are going to do what they want. All the tattoo parlors and liquor stores are open. That's all anybody cares about. Yeah, and strangely enough, they have the same amount of infections as California that has the strictest lockdown regulations. So, way to go, government of California. <laughs> So, but I'm glad that you got out and got to go enjoy yourself. I'm looking forward to the cruises getting back open and all that. I've accepted that masks are just a part of life now that the the sheeple won that one, so I just let it go. Hey, if it allows us all to get back out to normal life, you know, that's... That, that's reason enough for me to do it. It is interesting you mentioned that, though. From So Melbourne, Florida is, is just north of Orlando on the Atlantic side. And so Port Canaveral is, is not very far away from here. I can actually see from where I'm sitting three cruise ships that are moored off the coast over here because they're not traveling right now, and they've got to have somewhere to, to tie them up in the meantime. At night, it's great. They keep all the lights on. They've got the generators running and everything. They've just had them moored out here for three days. Yeah, they've kind of all been docked for a while. I hope that they get this all corrected and get that back in line pretty quick. But speaking of masks and things as such, you want to hit the the crime blotter, the the new cigar crimes against cigars cigar blotter. Yeah, it's been a it's been a busy week for the uh, less scrupulous among us this week, hasn't it? 
Well, so we'll start. TampaBay.com. Smoke shop robber strikes three times and likes backwoods cigars. Okay, of all the things, I mean, just economically, why would you steal backwoods cigars? It's almost cheaper to buy them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just nearly. I mean, they come in five packs, three packs. He's One, he's hitting... Robberies are getting thinner and thinner, especially in gas stations, convenience stores, things like that, because people just don't use cashes anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's just not as much of a, of a draw there. You know, speaking of, of which, I, I find this interesting. Uh, I was looking at some crime statistics for our fair city uh, yesterday. And, you know, Metro Nashville only solved 37 percent of crimes last year. You know, I was under the impression because of CSI and Law and & Order and all of these shows that pretty much the days of getting away with a crime were long gone. It seems like you've got just as good a chance of getting away with a major crime now as you did in the Wild West. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, one, there's such an overload of crimes for them to pour the resources into it. And two, they're going to take the high priority crimes first. The ones that, you know, the ones that make careers, the ones that make the big bust, the ones that have some value to them are going to trump all the little stuff. So if you take 28 little crimes and two big crimes and you solve the two big crimes, you may have done better overall, even though 20, your statistics are low. Yeah. Could, could be. I mean, it could very easily be a statistical anomaly there. I know those those left-wing liberal, liberal news sources that you utilize probably said something, was looking something along those lines. <laughs> it just, <laughs> you, you, you just can't help yourself, can you? Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just trying to get you to yell at me. I so want your father-in-law to come out there I, and you'll be red-faced puffing on a cigar. I am, I, I am on vacation. I cannot be flapped. I am unflappable. <laughs> you are unflappable. Well, let's go from a really poor criminal, somebody who's not that much of a criminal, to somebody who did pretty good. Police searched for two who burglarized Kobuacho Museum and Performing Arts Center in Miami. Okay, again, we talked about this last week, or three weeks ago. If the door's unlocked, is it really burglary? According to the definition of burglary, yes. So, they, the detective said they got away with cigars, alcohol, bottles, and art with a total worth more than $50,000. Okay, now that's, the, uh, now that's getting somewhere. Yeah, but it says the Romeo and Juliet is empty. Okay, that's a lot of Romeo and Juliets. You could probably... Again, why aren't, why aren't they hitting the Padron section? <coughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. I, you would think... At least, though, this isn't Backwoods. It's not White Owls. It's not... What's the other one? King Arthur or something? No, that's Flower. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. At least it wasn't... Dutch gas- Masters. Uh, At least it wasn't cheap gas station cigars for once. Well, so here's the thing. These guys walk in an unlocked door and spent over an hour robbing the place. (laughs) So that means they had time to shop. Is there? So first, we don't lock the door. Second, 
Oh, I thought you had a, okay. a glurb in your connection. I was just going to say, at least <laughs> you know, at least go around and look at all the price tags first, you know, and, and then make your selection well, that way. Well, from now on, if you stop talking, start nodding your head up and down so I know that it's not your connection froze up. <laughs> okay. So that I know it's actually <laughs> that you're still there. You're just waiting for me to say something. <laughs> but ransacking the business for around an hour, at an hour, you're no longer ransacking. I think a good ransacking is 20, 30 minutes tops. I don't think you're ransacking in an hour. Yeah, ransacking is in an hour. I don't think I could ransack. Yeah, I don't think I could ransack for an hour. I d- no, I don't. I think I'd get tired. I'd need a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to work on my cardio in order to be able to ransack for a solid hour. <laughs> and uh, so here's the thing: they've got cameras, but no alarms. So we know they have the technology to put a bell on the wall or something. Right. And uh, so I'm just I'm, I'm I'm highly suspect of this whole thing. I would like to get a look at the insurance policy for the Performing Arts Museum in Kubuacho. Well, and that's one of the things, kind of going back to what I was talking about, that is so funny to me. You know, we have security cameras on every building, or at least we have the ability to do that. We've got pretty much Wi-Fi everywhere. Unless you're way off in the stick somewhere, there's enough overlapping networks. There is no reason why we shouldn't have the ability to catch these guys in about 10 minutes. Yeah, this should be a short trip, but it's it's like I was talking to Glenda about the other day. She said something about cameras, and I said, okay, all cameras are going to do is show you who robbed you, and that's not going to be very valuable. You're not going to know who it was. Well, especially because, as I mentioned earlier, your your house getting robbed is very low priority to whatever else is going on the street. So you're going to be one of those 73% of, of crimes that goes unsolved. I have found, well, though, that they are a deterrent. And I think that's a big reason. That's why those fake security cameras sell out so quickly is because it's just enough that if they see there's a camera, they'll probably move on to the next easiest target. I think it's like a locked door. I think it's just, you know, a locked door keeps an honest man honest. We was talking about this before the show. Yeah. I think a a true criminal is not going to be deterred by a camera because they're like, what's the camera going to do? See me walk up and steal. Okay. (laughs) But we've had a rash of uh, car break-ins in our neighborhood in the last couple of months. And the common thread, though, is that they just go around checking doors. If your car's locked, they move on. And then they're just looking for the easy score. You know, they don't want to create the noise of breaking glass and, and, you know, anything else with that. But so I definitely think there's that. Yeah, locks serve only to keep honest people honest. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of it. And then, you know, I'm giving this guy that owns the Cabacho Museum a lot of guff. For leaving the back door unlocked. I'm sure at some point that can happen accidentally. I'm sure that's not that's not so out of the realm of possibilities. But I do think if you if you're gonna have a business, you know, my office, I don't keep stuff there that would be valuable to sell, but I keep stuff there that would be hard to replace if somebody come in there and goofed it up. Right. I have motion detectors in my office so that if for some reason the door don't get locked, 
the motion detector sets off and runs some, you know, and it'll set off an alarm, at least in a loud bell. Right. You know, my my old house, I had a security system, and I didn't have it hooked up to call the police or nothing. I just had it hooked up so that if somebody opened the door, it would make it a noise. It would. So it that would if I was gone. Are you being attacked by a seagull? No, why? Okay, you were just jumping back and forth and jerking your head back and forth very quickly there. I am sitting about 10 feet from the side rail of this deck, and so I'm trying to pitch my ash over the rail and into the neighbor's tennis court. So uh, and make sure it doesn't... No, there's a, there's a green space in between the two houses. But So I'm, I was trying to make sure that my ash flicked hard enough to get over the fence. Well, you, so... Uh, Quick ash flipping lesson. It was funny because when we um, started smoking cigars, it was outside of my old office in Columbia. And we would sit around. There was this three-tiered fountain there. And we would all sit around this three-tiered fountain and smoke cigars. It was a perfect circle. We were all about five foot away. And we would take turns and score each other based on if you could hit the ash in the topmost you know, the, the very top was higher points than the second or third tier down. Right. And I, I learned then, if you're going to do the ash flip, go underhand. Go oh. for the swinging around underhand and tap. I think you get better distance, better air every time. You do. It, you, you somehow put a little bit of a rifling on it, and it just stays truer. I don't know how that works, but it does. And leave it up to a bunch of guys sitting around to turn anything into a competition. Sure. Well, we had we had we had already measured everything else, so we figured we'd do an ash flipping contest. You can only talk about of... God so much before you get bored. Sure. <laughs> before you start flipping ash at the at the fountain and all. But now we never threw our cigar butts in the fountain. I think ash in the fountain is perfectly accessible. They got filters that handles that. That's no problem. Never throw a cigar in the fountain. No, definitely not. As long as you not. control your cigar butt, I think your ash is open game. It can just kind of go wherever it needs to. I agree with that. Well, let's step away for a break real quick. When we come back, got some other articles, got a, another cigar of the year to talk about. And talking about more the technique than the cigar, we've got to talk about Davidoff, I don't know why, and the Boutique Cigar Association of America. So we'll be right back. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, since Trey's reclining at the pool, I want to talk about the Baccarat. The Baccarat was one of the first cigars that I ever picked up because I went into the cigar shop and said, I don't want to spend a lot of money. And in this price point, in the 6 to $5 price point, it's hard to beat the Baccarat, especially if you're introducing someone to premium cigars. The Baccarat is kind of a good gateway from that cigar their grandfather always smoked to a better grade of cigar. It's got a sweet gum cap on it, so it has a little sweet when you first light it up. The wrapper is a Connecticut Broadleaf, the one that I enjoy. The binder is Mexican binder, and the filler is Honduran. This is not going to be the best cigar you've ever smoked, but it's going to be a good cigar, and for the price, it's hard to beat. So until next week, try the Baccarat. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting 
800 and something miles away from the man who learned it's not smart to put an Alka-Seltzer in your mouth and run through Walmart screaming the vaccine didn't work, Mr. Trey didn't. (laughs) You know, that, that would be pretty funny. Well, you know, we were talking about during the break that you have to be careful what you send to certain people because you never know when you're going to hit the person that lives to meme your brains out. Right. And that was on a meme, so I did have to steal that for a bump joke. Whoever it was who whose meme that was, I would give them credit. But I think memes, memes are public domain, right? We really don't have to give people credit for them anymore. I feel like anything that you create for the sole purpose of dissemination kind of is a de facto public domain. You know, no one's sitting around making memes to put in an art gallery. They're meant to be shared, so it's fair game. Yeah, I think so. I think it I think it's fair game. I I never feel bad if I have to if I borrow a picture or something like that from another website or a meme or something like that. I never I never feel bad for that. <laughs> and also but I like to keep life simple. And speaking of keeping life simple, Cigar Authority, the 2020 Cigar of the Year, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Maduro. Done. No build-up, no list, just that's it. Yeah, no, no pomp and circumstance. Just, hey, this was the best cigar we smoked last year, and we're going to tell you about it. And, and I, I really that. enjoyed that cigar. I really enjoyed that cigar. I thought the Sun Grown that came out at the same time was better, personally. So I don't necessarily agree with their choice, but I, just like we were talking about before the show, I do like that way of doing it. It's kind of like what we do. Here are three or four of the you know, best cigars of the year, and uh, this is the one that we actually give the, give the title to. Yeah, but there is a majesty of the list in that you can kind of debate the list. Of course... It's hard to say anything's the best cigar. It is. Because it's all going to be according to your palate. You know, what's the palate? Was, I re-listened to our Stogie Awards from last year, yesterday, on my walk with Ace, just to kind of refresh my memory on what we had already talked about and what won what and what categories and things like that as we prepare for the Stogie Awards next week. We'll both be back on vacation from vacation and back into full work mode. And as I listened to it, I really thought about, you know, this has been kind of a slow year for really new innovative stuff coming out. Yeah, and part of me wonders how much of this is COVID-related and how much is just that it was never going to be... Because we see that. I mean, in the three years we've been doing this show, we've or almost four years. Oh my gosh. Um, in the almost four years we've been doing this show, we, some years are great and other years just kind of lackluster status quo. Well, and it seems like years where the companies are not having to work as hard to sell their product makes a difference too. I am going to be really interested to see what, if any innovations we see out of Miami cigar in the next couple of years as they try and grapple with this new sales fleet force thing that they're trying out. Yeah, you know, as they've cut a lot of sales positions and 
their cigars are strong. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's a reason Perdomo does, or not Perdomo, Padron doesn't have a sales force. Right. Their their product is that strong. But I don't know anybody else in the industry whose product line is that strong. I couldn't think of a single, you know, Fuente. Uh, Fuente could benefit from a sales force because I think sometimes what happens with Fuente Somebody needs to give them the feedback of, hey, you're releasing too many Opus Special Edition and Yeho Triple Pink Banded Purple Crested Cigars. The People are getting tired of you. Keep it short and sweet. Yeah, I think if they would get a little feedback from their sales force of, hey, I really didn't sign on to memorize the menu at the Cheesecake Factory in order to sell your cigars... Yeah, um, and I think I think you know to your point. I think La Aurora or Miami Cigar. I think their portfolio is good. I do think their cigars are good enough they can get away with this, but they don't have the legacy, the history, and the name recognition that Padron does to be able to pull it off. And I think that's where they fall short. You you don't see people walk into a cigar shop and say, "Where's your La Aurora section? Where's your Miami Cigar section?" They ask where the Padrones are. They ask where the Rockies are. They ask where the Gurkhas are sometimes. And, but uh, you just don't have that happening with La Aurora. So if they, if they take all of that extra profit they made this year and plan to make as a result of their staffing decision next year and roll it into some, some marketing that, that makes them a household name, then I can see it working out. But as of right now, I'm, I'm really curiously following that story because I want to know how this uh, experiment pays off for them. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work out. I think they're going to look back and see this as a big error in that cigars are a relationship business. You always know. have been, always will. I got to spend, we're going to drop it as a Cigar Cast Extra episode. I got to spend 45 minutes with Robbie that owns Big Boys here in Spring Hill talking about the new shop. I got to smoke a cigar in the new shop before even the furniture is in. We were literally sitting on folding chairs in five-gallon buckets while they were installing the granite in the background. That's pretty great. Oh, but the shop's coming along great. He's got some of the best smoke eaters ever in there. And it was very pers- a very personal interview, and I think that's what La Aurora is missing, is that how many cigars have you smoked because a rep handed it to you that you would have never smoked, in a, you'd have never picked it up and tried it? The, the La Aurora line is that for me. You know, yeah. if we're going to go, and then, um, you know, Miami Cigar in general going back, I've, I've been friends with the rep of that company uh, through three different reps now, four maybe, you know, so th- that's one of those that I picked up the first time because I like the guy that sold it. Um, LFD was one of those, um, Perdomo as well. You know, those are three brands that I've all, you know, that really would not have given as much attention if it weren't for liking and having a, a friendship and a relationship with the people who sold it. Yeah, and I think it's that way, you know. Um, I'm always a big proponent of Don Gonzalez cigars, but if you don't get Don Pedro to your shop and have him do a rolling event, have him meet the people, shake the hands, it's hard to sell that cigar. Well, and it's, you know, speaking of that person in particular, you know, 
we both had very different experiences the first time we met him. And it definitely tempered, and it's why you're, and, and I'm not saying anything bad about the guy. I, I want to make that really clear. But it was just a, a completely different experience because we were on different sides of the counter, quite literally. And so I, I didn't fall in love with the brand like you did because I didn't have that same level of attachment to the relationship side of it. Yeah, there's and there's a lot of that. That's a big part of the process of of being a cigar smoker is the relationships. It's you know we've said it a thousand times. It's not about the cigars so much as it is the relationship. That's why Perdomo has done so well. You know, I was discussing this with Robbie. The availability of Nick Perdomo, the availability of Rocky Patel, the availability of the owners with those companies is a big part of what sells those brands. Well, and, and uh, Rocky's a, a huge example of that as well because, you know, when Rocky bootstrapped that thing when he first started, I mean, he was traveling around selling his own cigar. Omar DeFrias with Fratello. I haven't seen that guy in a few years, but it's one of those things that when the owner of a company is walking into your shop and saying, this is mine, this is why I created it, this is what is important to me, that makes a difference. Yeah, it's huge. So... To, I, I'm like you. I don't think the La Aurora experiment's going to end up well. Davidoff adds from Half Wheel. Davidoff adds $40,000 Year of the Ox Masterpiece Humidor. Seen this article and I couldn't resist. So they're offering a $40,000 humidor that contains 88 Davidoff Year of the Ox Limited Edition. Red gold lacquer. It's a pretty humidor, but... Um, I, I, if I win the lottery tonight, I don't see me buying this. <laughs> I just no, least of all because of it's a Davidoff. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I don't know the kind of person the kind of person that this is a market for. That this kind of super high end because how many how many special edition humidors can you have? That becomes well, and, one of and, the questions. You know, you and I are both a little on the dubious side when it comes to special releases, limited editions, and things like that in the cigar industry anyway. And I say, you know, multiply that about five for me in when it comes to humidors and accessories. Because like you said, how many can you have? Yeah, how many cutters, lighters, how many, how many humidors? Now, our humidor rack ideal, I think, is still a valid ideal, but I, it's a limited market. But the Year of the Ox is a 6x60 Gordo. It's a Dominican wrapper over an Ecuadorian Sumatra binder with five different fillers. Three from the Dominican, two from Nicaragua. Yeah. And it's $40 a cigar, limited to 13,500 boxes of 10 cigars. Weird question on this. So, you know, they, uh, Drew Estate did the Year of the Rat. You know, Davidoff's now doing the Year of the Ox. It's a big thing. Does China grow tobacco at all? Like, do they have the climate for it at any part of their... Because why are you going to... You know, it's all based on the Chinese zodiac. It's on this ancient tradition. And I feel like it's kind of doing a disservice. I'm not going to go so far as to use the term cultural appropriation. But I, I do think they're doing kind of a disservice to their whole premise by the fact that there's nothing even remotely Chinese about these cigars. Yes, but, yeah, but, um, one, I'm sure of the 678 varieties of tobacco plant that there are, there's one that'll grow in China. Right. 
I'm fairly sure that the, that there is. I don't think they produce it as a crop, and I don't think, due to the political nature of China, they could ever have a successful cigar industry because cigars is a very democratic process. You're paid on what you roll. You're paid on what you do. Well, I mean, but look, I mean, Cuba manages. So, I, I mean, I certainly prefer cigars made in a free market economy, you know, like what we get to experience with the Dominican and the, the Nicaraguan cigars. But to, to say that just because China's communist means they can't have a cigar industry, I mean, because cigars are very, very popular in China with the people that can afford them. But, you know, your average price of a stick in China is equivalent to like $60 U.S., well, and also the difficulty of exporting tobacco to China, exporting cigars to China. There's a huge market there, but it's largely untapped because of the nature of their government makes it nearly impossible for a manufacturer to make any money sending cigars to China. Right. That's one of the reasons they're so rare there. Uh, but I'm okay. You know, I was born in the year of the dragon. That's always been one of those things in my life that I liked. There's one, one more thing that went right in my life. <laughs> and I, I used to know. I think I'm you're the tiger. That probably about fits at all. And I, I haven't been to a Chinese buffet in enough that the, the, to be able to read the placemat recently enough to really know if that's true or not. But I, I seem to remember it was you're the tiger. Well, I'm okay with you know. Again, we talk about naming things and the importance of naming things well. Um. I'm okay with using the Chinese Zodiac. I'm okay. Hey, if they wanted to name a cigar the Pisces or the Taurus or the Virgo, I'm okay with that. I don't think that there's, you know, whatever you need to do to name your cigar. Because one of the hardest things right. in life to do is to name something. And I'll ask I've, any parent. <laughs> well, it, I mean, even more so, or maybe less so, depending on your viewpoint. You know, when I have builders that we're creating a plan library for and we have to name their house plans. It's very difficult to name the house plans because it's got to be something that somebody can remember, but it's also got to be something unique. And, and you, know, you can't name them all the Lexington. God, yeah. I swear everybody has a Lexington. Every apartment complex has a floor plan called the Lexington. It's everywhere. Well, and then you have your people like Don Gardner who their small version of a plan's the Buford, their bigger p version of the plan is a Bell Mead, and then the biggest version is a Brent Haven, and they try to keep them all themed along the same lines. Right. And, uh, and naming streets. Naming streets is hard. So I sympathize with anybody trying to name cigars <laughs> as to how how difficult it is. So they, they get no flack from me. Davidoff just gets flack from me because they don't make cigars that suit my palate. Although, That's did fair. you see at the bottom of, did you see the bottom of this article, the Ox Masterpiece Pipe made in Italy, decorated in Japan? I did. That's, that's a I beautiful love that pipe. Gold, I love that gold accent on uh, where the stem meets the bowl. Yeah, beautiful pipe. So, Another article from Half Wheel, since we're there. Boutique Cigar Association announces new mission, resignation of Dr. Gaby Coffee. And just about three and a half years after they started this, they're going to change everything about this Boutique Cigar Association. Um, 
less interested in the article, more interested in the theory behind it. Every movement has, you know, are you trying to accomplish something or at what point does a movement begin to be more about the movement than about the actual problem they're solving? So the perfect example of that, and there's actually a a term in, I want to say it's either an economic or sociological term, for when an organization outlives its usefulness. The perfect example is the March of Dimes. The March of Dimes was originally uh, a charity aimed at polio. Well, then we eradicated polio. But the March, so rather than the March of Dimes saying, hey, we did it, lock up the doors, put the chairs away, let job well done. They said, no, we got to shift and we've got to figure it out. And, and, you know, so now there's still a charity for other things. And it's, it's just one of those things like, no, set your goals. If you meet your goals, move on to the next thing. Well, and the Boutique Cigar Association was put together so that boutique cigars would have a voice in the PCA and all of the different companies fighting the FDA's regulations. Which, which is great in theory and in its premise, you know, um, but the idea of having an organization as a member of another organization, I've always found a little weird, but it does happen. Yeah, having a subtype of an organization, you know, at a certain point, let's put all, you know, they say don't put all your eggs in one basket, but sometimes you have to put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. It, it, trust, trust in your idea enough that you're willing to bet the house on it. Yeah, and I think that's what's happened. I think Boutique Cigar Association, there's so many shops out there that actually pride themselves on the number of boutique cigars they have. And it's a great thing. You know, a, a really good boutique shop is always going to be something I'm going to seek out. I'm always right. going to seek out somebody that has something that I can't just go buy at the big box cigar stores, so to speak. And also, there's there's a certain attraction to boutique cigars. So I think this is an example of a, of a movement just kind of running its course, and they need to just kind of let it go. Yeah. And also, when you went into Tranquilo Cigars, what did you see there that was unique? Did you get anything really unique or special, or did you just run in? I just ran in real quick. One of the things I did notice, though, was a large selection of Nomad Cigars. And this is a cigar company that I have heard of. Don't know that I've ever smoked any of their cigars, but they had probably about a, you know, 10 or so facings all from Nomad, which I was surprised is not something we ever see around home. Did you pick one up to give it a shot? I More importantly, did you pick me one up to give it a shot? No, but I am going back tomorrow. I was just popping in real quick to make sure I had a cigar for today. Well, in the interest of this not becoming like the Charter Oak Cabano that I still haven't received one of, because every time you get one, you smoke it before you bring it to me. Um, in the interest of so, that, one, pick us up two, and don't you smoke one till you get back here. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I want you to know, and I do have a witness for this, and you can fact check me. About two weeks ago, no, it was last week, as I was getting ready to, to I w- come down to do the show, I was specifically leaving the house to go pick up a couple of Charter Oak Cabanos for us when I got the call that my car was ready from the body shop, and I ended up not having the time 
to get over there and do it. So it is still on my radar, and I was actively in the process of making that happen. Well, I think um, our crown is clo- actually closed today. We're recording on New Year's Eve. Um, crown is actually closed today for inventory, so we may end up running up to Bellmead or to Casa or something like that. I may run to Bellmead specifically so that I can get a Charter Okabano. <laughs> Maybe what I end up having to do so that I can say I have smoked that cigar before the end of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. And also, one more article to hit. I do want to talk about the um, Cigar Aficionado, the big list. They're, they've, they've put out the reveal schedule for the top 25 cigars of 2020. And uh, they're going to review, basically they're going to start January 11th and um, run through. And this, this is what's funny. They release 10987654321. And then the 14th, they'll release the Cigar of the Year. And then Friday, they'll release 11 through 25. And yeah, I've, I've always found that weird. It's kind of odd. One, it's kind of falling a little later in the year. Couldn't we get, you know, 11 through 25 first so that we could kind of make our predictions on what the Cigar of the Year would be? Yeah. But the last few years, they've done it that way, where they release the top 10 in their staggered format and then release 11 through 25 later. But I, I do think it's funny that they are waiting until af- so far after the new year. Usually the, the Cigar of the Year is announced right around or on the first of the year. Yeah. Now, what do you, what's your prediction for a cigar that's going to hit the top five? It's impossible to predict the Cigar of the Year. And all that's just um, going to be impossible because it's always kind of random. It's it's yeah. not like the this cigar creates a buzz. You know, you know, in the top five, there's going to be one Padron. There's going to be one or two Cubans that we'll never have access to. But lately, that one thing they do do a good job of is kind of a cigar out of nowhere coming in. And I'll so. What manufacturers do you think are going to have a good showing in the list, and what cigar do you think they're going to be looking toward? I think the 107 Nicaragua is going to make a good showing. I predict it to be top five. You know, it's a big enough company that they're spending some money with aficionados, so they'll be able to shoehorn their way into that spot. And uh, and I really did enjoy it that much. Um you know, Fuente's usually got a showing, and Davidoff, too, up around there. It's not either of yours or my palate, but I ex- I would expect, I mean, as years pass, to see something there. Well, I definitely think we're going to see the Supreme Leaf from Aganorsa Farms, like we talked about earlier. I think we're going to see the Supreme Leaf in that list, in that top ten. I don't know that it'll make top yeah. five, but I definitely think we're going to see it in the top ten. I'll give you that. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of Altadis brands kind of make rearing their head. I think Altadis is going to be making a move because Altadis has made a lot of good moves this year cigar-wise. Yeah, and and I wouldn't be at all surprised if A.J. Fernandez has three or four collaborations or cigars in the top 25. Do you think we're going to see a McAuliffe in the top 25? Do you think this is the year we see a McAuliffe make top 25? 
It definitely could be. Uh, the A is phenomenal. It is such a good cigar. And, but I don't know if, if the way it was released is going to, and the fact that McAuliffe just doesn't have a huge presence, if that's going to affect its placement on the list or even inclusion whatsoever. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because as much as we pick on the aficionado list, whether you like it, whether you don't, it carries a lot of weight. There will be it people, does. you know, the Andalusian Bull was a huge deal for LFD. Mm-hmm. The Majestic from EP Carrillo, that was a huge deal for EP Carrillo. And also, like it or not, um, and again, we probably should give less flack to aficionado in claiming that you buy your rating in the it's really hard to rate what are going to be the best cigars as i've been trying to note it down it's been very tough getting ready for the stogies it it really has been and it is and 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 yeah we do give them a lot of flack i think some of it's deserved but probably most of it isn't mostly just because of the fact that you know the people who have the money to spend on advertising are also the same people that have enough money to spend on R&D and, you know, to make a quality product. Well, but I will, so here's my dark horse. I think we're going to see an Illusione in the top ten. That's my dark horse. I would love to see that. That, That's my dark horse pick of the year is that Illusione is going to show up in the top ten and kind of shock everybody. Um, I don't know. So the Velvet Rat is really the only thing Drew Estates made that's made a lot of ruckus this year. Yeah. And I don't know if it's made enough ruckus to get them in on the list. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if it does. Yeah, so, well, that's kind of our list predictions. We'll do the Stogie Awards next week, and then by the next week we'll actually have the list to sit down and talk about and all. But how does everybody get to us, Trey? Uh, you can reach us via email at info at thecigarcast.com. We're on facebook.com slash thecigarcast and Instagram at thecigarcast. Well, thank you, Trey, for your dedication to the podcast that we're actually rec- you're taking time out of your vacation to record the podcast with me. I do appreciate right, you taking the time. As soon as we finish this up, I'm going to head back to the pool. Oh, okay. You're going to get your fish flops and go back to it. That's right. (laughs) And I will thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. (laughs) 